it should be a, a offensive game for Orlando. If Orlando doesn't score at least two goals, it would be a bit of a disappointment. It's good to be playing them because I think Orlando as an organization is in a much better position than Cincinnati. I do not envy fans of that organization. I think I think if there's a game to, to get your offensive prowess back on track, this is definitely it. Finds its way to Acosta, threads in Vasquez! Cincinnati takes the lead! Juan's got a good pace. Juan gets knocked down. Play on for the moment. Baji with the cross. It's 2-1. FC Cincinnati snaps their 14-game losing streak. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show, where Orlando City lost to the <laughs> FC Cincinnati. Uh huh. Damn! Yeah, not great. In fact, um, disappointed. I, I think that is the exact words that Orlando City fans would use in this instance: disappointed. And Diarrhea. with that, I welcome in Brad Newton, who's in charge of all of those sounds, and Kyle Foley, who is also here uh, joining us again. Back-to-back weeks. Fantastic. Uh, so, uh, we, we got that out of the way. How are you guys doing? Um, it's St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. and um, I don't, I, I don't uh, have any green beer, but I do have a hard Mountain Dew, and that's... Uh, that's that's pulling me through the week. So yeah, that is. It, I mean, if the original one is the one you have, then it is green. So you are good. Give me a hell yeah, Kyle. How are you? Do you have a Mountain Dew as well? I do not have a hard Mountain Dew. Um, mm. I was not able to pick some up the other day for, for reasons that I can't discuss on the show. And then when I went back again, I it, they were out of stock. So I'm just that enjoying is- a white claw. That is sad. See, Brad is currently making up for not having any sounds on the last episode by going ham in the first two minutes. I'm a man! <laughs> uh, see, it, it, it's comedic relief. We need we need that in tr- these it's trying the times. Could I offer you a trying time in these trying times? Speaking of trying times, Orlando City yeah, lost 2-1 to one <clears throat> to FC Cincinnati. Man, I don't, I don't know how best to describe that other than just... Oh my god! Yeah, it's uh, it's a time. Did not only did Orlando City dominate every, almost every statistical category, but they could not find the back of the net to save their lives. They had so many chances in the first half, less in the second half, and uh, it just continued to get a bit more and more disappointing as the game went on. Uh, it got to the point where it was in the 80, 80th, 90th minute where crosses were flying out of the stadium almost and just going into the stands and just it was it was not a good time and uh to lose to cincinnati who was on a 14 game winless streak in mls is a little bit disappointing yep i i certainly made a bit of a, a social media post about it mm. um demonstrating just how uh not good orlando city was as a whole mm-hmm um, you know, we love to create content around here. We love to, you know, um, put stuff out onto the internet. And uh, let's let's go over uh, my favorite player for Orlando City, Ruan. Uh, his night, uh, zero tackles, one, uh, one interception, 
two out of ten successful crosses and three duels won. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Orlando City is back. Hmm. It's only one game so far. Uh, I'm pissed they, now! If they do it in back-to-back games or even three in a row, cause for concern. One game is an outlier for now. Considering that they won their first game and they drew their second game, it's not, oh my god, panic now. It's Yeah, more but a, the thing is, like, it's FC Cincinnati. Like, that's not a team you lose at home to. Right, but what happens, because it's a new FC Cincinnati under a new coach. What happens if they go in there? They win their next couple of games against quality opponents. What do you say then? Like okay, it's still it's still you, early. They lost five nil to Austin, and then they, they lost one. Yeah, they lost, they lost nothing one. on a ninety eighth minute penalty to DC. Okay, but that what about that form tells you that they should be beating Orlando City two one in Orlando? They progressively got less bad. That's that's some exponent. That's not progressive. That's exponentially. That, that they went from five nothing to one nothing to winning. Yeah, that's that's exponential process. Yeah, see, the process works. Obviously. Yeah, I know the process works. <laughs> you got to trust it. You, do, you just got to trust it, Brad. You know it. You trust it. For, wait, you want me to trust FC Cincinnati's process? Uh, uh, no comment. Gotcha. I logic bombed you. <laughs> My my extremely spicy take on this is that in three months from now, this game will have told us nothing about either of the two teams and what they continue to do for the rest of the season. I'd hope so. I mean, I really do. Like, I, I don't like, want Orlando to be bad. But ty- like, typically, when Orlando loses inexcusable games like that, they they also don't dominate statistically. And so I I think it is it is different when you're able to dominate in. in virtually every facet you're just not getting balls in the back of the net which i understand is the most important been, part of the game but that's and that has been a struggle over the years but you figure when the entire the entire attacking roster has been overhauled so it, it it's going to take a little bit to click obviously if we're looking back in a couple weeks and it still hasn't clicked at all then then that's a that's a different issue and then it goes into I, maybe some of the wrong players were were brought in but i think, I still think they're best attacking three games I think their best attacking player was a new one. Facundo Torres was probably the the best player on the pitch for Orlando when he wasn't on the ground. Uh, like, I mean, here's the thing: I talked to him on Wednesday because I don't know if you guys know this, but Orlando City is the most fouled team in MLS right now. Yeah, and and I by probably by a lot too. And I, you know what, I've I've said it before: teams cynically foul. Orlando in their own half to kill any sort of movement going forward. That's that's just what they do. And refs never call, never give out yellow cards for that. I would like to uh, amend my statement. Apparently they're second uh, most fouled now behind San Jose, who have suffered 59 fouls. Orlando has suffered 52. However, the disparity between fouls suffered and fouls committed for San Jose is 59 fouls suffered to 33 fouls committed orlando is 52 to 46 fouls committed so when it comes to fouls committed uh orlando is top eight and they're top three in fouls suffered so when orlando when orlando plays games get physical 
You, you know how many fouls Robin Jensen committed in that match? One. You know how many yellow cards he got for said fouls? He didn't get a foul for the yellow card. He got a foul for yelling at the referee. All right. The th- see, the thing is, as the game got more physical and the team got more frustrated, they got a lot more yellow cards for uh, yelling at the ref or just yelling in general, being frustrated I mean, than they got for fouls. Okay, well, Junior Urso, how many fouls did he commit? Two. Two. Yeah. He picked up a yellow. Yep. Antonio Carlos uh, committed four, which uh, admittedly a bit more understandable. And but he, his yellow was also for yelling at the ref. Who was it? Penso? Was that the, was that the ref? Yes, it was. Yeah, Penso has a really weird history of refereeing Orlando City matches. He does. It's not a great one. No, historically speaking. But I mean, the, the take th- that take take that with a grain of salt, though, is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Like, he will he'll 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 be happy to hand out cards or penalties to other teams, like when it comes to facing Orlando City. Yeah. Now I want to I want to just put out a stat when it comes to being foul suffered. Do you know who is the most fouled player in the entire league? The answer may surprise you. It may surprise me. Mm-hmm. It, te- I mean, it tells me it's an Orlando City player. That is correct. But which one? Oh. Um. It is not Facundo uh, Torres. He has been fouled no. eight times over three games, including five in the Chicago match, two in the FC Cincinnati Arajo? match. It is Cesar Araujo, who he has suffered fourteen fouls. To lead the yeah. entire league, just weird for a defensive mid, right? He just he gets he gets into tackles, and what's what's crazy is like if you look at his passing percentage per ninety minutes, he's sitting at a, a very solid eighty six percent passing clip, which again, yeah, I, when you have a player playing like that, you can understand why Sebas Mendez is currently sitting on the bench. Yeah, it's wild. <clears throat> I think Araujo's. If if of the new, I mean, of our new players like Torres and Araujo, it's hard to say who's had the the more impactful presence so far. I would say it's Araujo, honestly. I mean, it, yes, it, it's it's he does things that don't necessarily score show up in the score sheet. Uh, Torres had a, an assist. He had an assist on uh, Urso's goal in the last match. Should have had an assist in the Chicago match too. Should have had an assist in the Chicago match too, but it's it's. Uh, the things that Araujo does where, like, suddenly, like you said, Sebas Mendes is on the bench and coming in in the 88th minute, like, that's kind of surprising. Yeah. For a new kid coming into the league, 20 years old, out playing a guy who's starting for his national team in Ecuador, it says, it says quite a lot. And he's still getting adjusted to this league, too. Right. But... He is a, a he's a more physical guy in the midfield that Orlando needs, you know. Not to say that yeah. Sebas isn't physical, but I think that Cesar likes to get into those tackles. He likes to kind of battle with guys, and that's why you know he's he's committed six fouls. He's suffered fourteen. So again, surprising. But with with Orlando in general, like I said, Facundo Torres has suffered eight fouls. Junior Urso has suffered seven fouls this year. Mauricio Pereira has suffered seven fouls this year. Like these, these guys are getting bodied around at least in the last couple games. Um, I think I think Pereira he got fouled five times in Chicago and two times in uh, against Cincinnati. But the way I mean, that the way that teams are playing them, it's thirty five fouls total in 
the Chicago game with 21 against Chicago. 34 fouls total in the FC Cincinnati game, with the majority of them being against FC Cincinnati. So it just goes to show you that teams are going to start playing a bit more physical with a team that likes to be a bit more technical. And that is when you're going to have to combat that by <laughs> hitting the weight room. I mean, look at look at the play that FC Cincinnati scored the second goal on. Juan just got bodied off the ball. It's like he got like, it's like he got a, a just a shoulder laid into him and it and it completely took him out of the play. Yeah, it was a literal weight room moment. Uh huh. And Junior Urso, after the Chicago game, he said that it seemed like the team wanted to fight more than play soccer. Nothing's going to change the way the referees call the game. So Orlando has to try and adapt to this more physical play that teams are going to come at them with. I think that the the not as good teams will come at the more physical side of things. The better teams, the more technical teams may may not be as physical. They'll try and kind of play Orlando and just beat them based on skill. But still, there are going to be teams in MLS, this is a very physical league, that are just going to boss you around in the midfield based on their physical strength and prowess. And Orlando needs guys to to step up and battle back. I, I mean, I'll say this. Uh, Orlando City probably should have gone ahead. Uh, I mean, in this case, literally ahead off of Kara's header in the 22nd minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I mean, l- listen, we're Alec, not for- Alec Khan had a game. And yeah, he- Alec Khan, but that's but that's the, the, the thing, right? Is that random MLS keepers are having career nights against Orlando City. <laughs> I honestly think Alec Khan is a lot better than people give him credit for. He just hasn't gotten opportunities in the league to show it himself. Much like Earl Edwards. Like, he's getting opportunities now when he didn't get them in D.C. and Orlando. But now he's starting for New England and, and will probably be the starter once Matt Turner leaves. So Where's where's Matt Turner going again? Uh, Arsenal. Oh. Why can't he go to Chelsea? Because they have no money, Brad. And th- is there some other reason why? They're currently sanctioned by the UK government, Brad. Mm, that's it. That's the one. Yeah. Which means they can't do what again? Anything. Mm. Mm. Yeah! <laughs> but you know what Chelsea does have? That Arsenal doesn't? Impending administration penalty? trophies in the last couple years so meaning arsenal meaningful fa cup meaningful trophies in 2020 arsenal won an fa cup like two years do ago. it in the champions league let's go <laughs> all right back to orlando city uh with with this game with this game coming up against the la galaxy it's a one of two games in a row that Orlando will be playing out in the West Coast. Uh, for some reason, they will be playing the day that U.S. plays Panama here in Orlando. Which, why? Uh, huh. Not sure who who thought that was a good idea, because Orlando's like, going to be without all of their international players. So they well, haven't been called up officially yet. But Pedro Galese, most likely Facundo Torres, most likely Sebas Mendes will most likely all be called up for South American qualifiers for the last couple World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, why MLS didn't 
include an international break considering everything about this i i don't know uh they've done it before and they'll do it again at the very least it's not at the same time so that's good orlando I, play at yeah. four and uh the U- u.s game is at seven so at least there's that so you can watch the orlando city game downtown orlando and then just walk to the stadium as, as soon as it's done at six o'clock and you're there in time for the game Anyways, in the here and now, Orlando's currently already in L.A., getting ready and training out there. They are going to be without Andres Perea, who I have been told has suffered a lower leg injury right before Orlando's game against Cincinnati, so he was not medically cleared to play. They are getting Sylvester Vandervater back after he got over his uh, health and safety protocols, which was he was in. Um of course, the team is not at liberty to say if he actually had COVID or not, but he was in health and safety protocols for a week before he cleared them. So it is possible that he just had a sickness that got him into it. The The rules are kind of iffy when it comes to health and safety protocols. I can actually tell you exactly uh, what the health and safety protocols are for MLS because they were very nice to outline them. Uh, a player may be listed as questionable or out due to health and safety protocols, because of quarantine due to participating high-risk behavior, quarantine related to being at high-risk close contact, pending COVID-19 results, an inconclusive COVID-19 test result, a positive COVID-19 test, or a confirmed case of COVID-19, or an other illness not related to COVID-19. So a lot of different things that could land him in the health and safety protocols. The one thing that I can tell you, it did not, which somehow this was going around the internet uh, the last couple weeks, is that his wife is having their baby or his girlfriend's having their baby which i can tell you that no um she has not had the baby yet so squashing that rumor right now pizza pizza Uh, but yeah uh, perea will not be back for this game hopefully he'll be back for the game against portland because by that time they will have a bit of lacking in the midfield department with sebas being out or being called up potentially so the hope is that he'll be back by then. But for the LA Galaxy game itself, LA is, they're, they're decent, guys. They're decent again. Currently, in the Western Conference, they're fifth place, you know, through three games played. They've won two and lost one. They, I mean, they've, they've got some decent level players. Points with- right, they've got Douglas <clears throat> Costa and Chicharito, who uh, Douglas Costa scored a goal. So that was that was something. Uh-huh. They have they have Jonathan Klinsman, who's not playing. I just find that very funny. They brought they brought in like a bunch of different goalkeepers for this year. So they had the uh, Jonathan Bond, Jonathan Klinsman, and Ricardo Sanchez or Richard Sanchez, who was playing in League One last year. They also have former designated player for Toronto FC, Victor Vasquez, who's been playing in every game. They have former Seattle Sounders player Kevin Leardom. They have former Orlando City player Sasha Kleschen. Former Chicago Fire player Raheem Edwards. They have former TFC player Marky Delgado. They also have Julian Araujo, who has been good. Uh, 
Efrain Alvarez, who's also been very, very good. He scored the game winner against Charlotte with that goal from outside the box. To all things considered, they have a lot of talent on the field. Question is, what what will Orlando do? How will they approach this game in L.A.? Especially when they're traveling cross-country. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? I, I've learned from my mistake of last week of expecting Orlando to to do something good, so I'm going to go ahead and expect disappointment this weekend. Back the to ho- the old days, huh? Yeah, with the hopes of maybe they'll prove me wrong. I, I think, look, LA's always been, I mean, they've historically been a great team. They've had some some up and down, some inconsistent years of late, but they, they've always been good, and they're looking good again. So I... Mm-hmm. I think going to LA and losing to LA is is going to be would be significantly less embarrassing than going to to Cincinnati and losing to Cincinnati. Mm. I also think it would be one of the most Orlando things ever to disappoint against a team that you're expected to do well against, and then for some reason show up against a team that's on paper significantly better. So <laughs> it, this is such a especially because it's so early in the season and we don't have enough established performance to 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 judge. I. <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, I just, I don't know what to expect other than I'm sure if I expect much, I will be disappointed. And if I expect a disappointment, they'll do something ridiculous because that just seems to be what Orlando does. At some point, it's going to click. It would just be very shocking if it happens against LA. I'd love it, but it would be shocking. Hmm. Brad? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I mostly agree with, with what Kyle said there and that. You know, it, if there was a team for them to suddenly look great against, it would be really weird if it was L.A. But we also saw that in their first season in MLS. So, I don't, but that's a that was a different L.A. Galaxy team at that point. Oh, they weren't different. nearly as they weren't nearly as good as they are now. So I I wouldn't expect that to happen. But um, yeah, it's it's it'll be a. I, I'm curious to see how they respond. I mean, there's they're still figuring things out. You can clearly see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Pereira looked cooked. Again, I mean, if it, if he either looked cooked or anonymous, I couldn't tell which which it was. Like that, the man was on a milk carton. I thought <laughs> for large stretches of the match against Cincinnati of all teams, and that's not what you want from your captain and designated player who's mm-hmm. really supposed to be the focal point of your offense so um hopefully that doesn't happen again against cincinnati but um this team still has issues connecting in the final third so i'm i'm curious to see if what what adjustments um are made because trying everything out on the wings and crossing in is not working now the the, the so. difference the difference that orlando took in this game against cincinnati is that they started Urchankara and alexander pato together uh-huh. and it seemed like they they created plenty of chances but it's they were predictable in terms of their chance creation you knew how they were going to get their chances i don't overlapping I don't. runs by huan passing the ball inside into the center and trying to pass it around then crossing it back in I, I don't think there's a whole lot of issues on the left hand side. I think Pato and uh, Yao worked really well together on the on that left side. Uh, you mean when, Torres? Because 
Pato was he was floating, but for the most part, Torres was on the left. Hmm. Okay. See, I I I must I I think I have him more on the right with uh, Ruan. But... He's. I mean, they switched after a certain period of time. They switched sides, okay. and that that so might have they... that might have been more of a out of necessity than anything else. But right. But because they were playing so many behind the ball. It's hard to break a team down when literally every single player is behind midfield. Yeah, and and that's the problem is if your fullbacks don't have the the quality that you need out on the wing, then they're it's just not it's not going to look great. You can have all the position you want for through the first two thirds of the of the pitch, but if you're not getting anything in that final third, then it's just a lot of buildup that doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. All right. Uh, before we move on from the uh, preview of the galaxy, we're going to play a little bit of trivia. I'm going to ask you some questions. First, I'm going to tell you some facts about Orlando City versus the LA Galaxy in their history of playing each other in MLS. The Galaxy have won three of the five meetings that they have had. Orlando has won two and scored 11 goals, while the Galaxy have won three, like I said, and scored 10 goals. Uh, Orlando's biggest win against them was the 4-0 win that they had in 2015 at home when Orlando City had their debut. Uh, Then the next year, a 4-2 win for LA in 2016. Orlando then beat them back in Orlando 2-1. In LA, Zlatan scored a hat-trick and LA won 4-3. And then back here in Orlando in 2019, Orlando lost 1-0 to LA. Uh, Oscar Pereja all time against LA through Dallas, through Colorado and through Orlando, which he's never played them in Orlando, uh, nine, seven and two Greg Vanny, who is the new coach of the galaxy. Well, he used to coach Toronto and Toronto always used to beat Orlando. So his record all time against the lions is eight, two and two with 2.17 points per game. Um, historically speaking, LA has scored most of their goals Right before the first half ended, in the 31st to 45th minute, they've scored four goals, which is more than any other 15-minute segments of any other time against Orlando. Orlando's scoring has been pretty evened out, actually, where they've scored at least two goals in different 15-minute increments over the course of 90 minutes. So nothing to say there. But uh, basically, the statistics say, historically speaking, Orlando crumbles right before the first half and lets in goals. So, preferably, don't do that. So, uh, here is my question to you guys. What player has scored the most goals against Orlando City and who has scored the most goals against the LA Galaxy? I'm going to say Jonathan Dos Santos for the Galaxy. Jonathan Dos Santos for the Galaxy is incorrect. No. Not Jonathan Dos Santos. I know I'm wrong, but I'm going to go with safety guess of Zlatan. That is correct. Oh! It is tied with Giovanni, Giovanni Dos, Santos. Dos Santos. God damn it. Brad was technically correct, which is one no, of the best I kinds wasn't. of correct. Technically technically correct is the best kind of correct, I've been told. I, I said Jonathan. I, I knew I should have said Giovanni. If you had just said Dos Santos, you would have been correct. Yeah. Wrong Anyways, kid, wrong kid died. <laughs> who has been? Who has been the most goals for Orlando against the LA Galaxy? Kyle Laren. That is correct. 
Oh! Easy. Wow. Easy. I knew shit for once. It's embarrassing that I knew these things, that they remain accurate. <laughs> you know, whatever. That's yes. not great. Suck it, stats nerds. <laughs> Calculator boys in shambles. <laughs> All right, last last random little question here for you. Who has the most saves against either team? So who has the most saves all time for the Galaxy and for Orlando City in this matchup? Like, like... Bendik? Who, who? No. Oh. So, like, out of all the goalkeepers that both teams have had, total, not just in one game, but total, who has had the most saves? Earl Edwards Jr. It is Earl Edwards Jr. Wow. He has six saves all time for Orlando City against the Galaxy. Who has the most saves for the Galaxy against Orlando? Brian Rowe. No. That that was gonna be my guess. I don't know. Here, hold on. Uh, let me see if I can give you a a quick hint. Bing bong. That's your hint. Uh, David Bingham. That's that is correct. David Bingham. Yep. Well done. He had nine saves all time against Orlando City. Uh, most of them coming in that four three win back in twenty eighteen. And if you want to throw an extra question in there, who allowed the most goals all time? Bendik? That is Orlando's. Who's LA's? It was all in one game, by the way. Goalkeeper for LA in 2015. It's not Mike McGee. <laughs> Mike McGee. <laughs> uh, no, it is, uh, is it- Jaime Pinedo. Oh. Yeah. I was going to go Donovan Ricketts. I'm pretty sure he was there that year still. No, because Orlando got him in 2015. He was their starting keeper in 2015. So Orlando never... I don't think Orlando ever oh, played against Donovan Ricketts. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're saying the 15-16 season, right? Any no. season. Yeah. No, I'm dumb. Don't listen to me. Yeah. Why did anybody <laughs> listen to me? I don't know. I don't know why I said Mike McGee. I was just thinking of random LA Galaxy players at that point. Also, I don't think he. I don't think he was. I don't think he was playing for the Galaxy at that point either. No. He was not. Okay. Uh, with that, I think we'll go ahead and move on from Orlando City. Well, let's talk about Orlando Pride. Uh, last week was Media Day, and I got to talk to a lot of players. We we talked on the show a little bit about all that. Uh, this week, talked to Amanda and I talked to Courtney Peterson, and. You know, with, with Amanda, she is excited. Um, the way they're approaching this game is <laughs> seemingly like every other team. They want to, they're, they're saying publicly, they want to win. Privately, most likely they're going to be focusing on trying new things and getting ready for the regular season, which, hey, there is a schedule out. Oh my God, you guys, there is a schedule. It is official. Orlando Pride is actually going to be playing regular season games. Um, from what I have heard about the schedule um the reason it takes so long is most likely because a lot of these teams share facilities with other teams and in order to try and make a schedule based on shared 
venues that will most likely probably still have to change, uh, it's hard. So that that is usually why schedules take longer, uh, especially when, you know, say Gotham is playing at Red Bulls Arena or Orlando Pride are playing at Orlando, you know, w- they have to work around Orlando City and their schedule. Same with any other MLS team that share their stadium with other teams. So becomes a bit difficult, but uh, they seem to have found a way around it. There's probably still going to be a couple games that they have to change. But either way, it, it should be a, uh, a fun season. So officially, May 1st is their home opener against Ashton Harris, Ali Krieger, and Gotham. Now, they will have already played Gotham in the Challenge, Challenge Cup, Cup, but this will be yeah. the first time that they actually play them in the regular season. And from what I hear, Ashton Harris is going to be probably starting and probably going to be the captain of the team. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you know, people are probably like, well, why did Ashton and Allie leave? You know, they could have retired in Orlando. And if you really think about it, they probably wanted to go win somewhere before they retired. Like, they may come back to Orlando. But I think that... I mean, is Gotham the place that you go to... Well, they just they just picked up Ali Long and Christy Mewis. Oh. Like they they've they've retooled. They've got a lot of names on the roster. Now we've seen before names There's... don't necessarily translate into wins. <laughs> oh, buddy, where where, yeah. where you know what before. I said? I know what I said. But have I got the entire history of the Orlando Pride to tell you how not good of an idea that is? It remains to be seen because it could work out. It it it's worked out for a team before. But will it work out this time? I don't know. Anyway, some other notable games to watch out for. Home games specifically. May 27th, they host the Washington Spirit and the defending champions. Racing Louisville come to town on July 2nd. They're going to be hosting uh, Angel City FC and a few of the former Pride players on August 7th, which is a Sunday. A lot of Sunday games. Not many week weekday games in Orlando, which is good. Not good for my plan of trying to see if i can subsidize a club seat you eating and drinking the entire time mm, yeah that, that does make it a bit harder because i gotta go to work on mondays yeah it's true there are a lot of sunday sunday games san diego wave come to town the second to last game of the season so uh if alex morgan does play in that game it'll be that time to see her in orlando for who knows how many more times Angel City comes to Orlando on August 7th. I think I mentioned that already. Yeah, your chances of rain at Disney World are pretty slim. Damn. That took a second for me to catch that. Uh, Uh, September 9th, Portland Thorns come to town. Um, In fact, four of their last six games for the Pride are going to be home games. So not a bad way to end the season, uh, depending on where they are in the standings. But the biggest thing is in the summertime, lot of away games starting may 18th they have three four five six away games from may 18th to the end of july and that's out of the 10 games that they play so six of their 10 games from may 18th to july 31st are away that's the biggest part of the season where <laughs> orlando is going to have to do something if they're going to do something at all um But going back to the Courtney Peterson thing, because I wanted to bring her up. When I talked to her, she made an interesting point. Um, 
this team is young, surrounded by veterans. There was a team last year that was young, surrounded by veterans. And they did pretty well. In fact, they won the whole thing. That's the Washington spirit. Um, their young players may be arguably more talented and more notable, but similar kind of situation where new coach is coming in. Young players, they're hungry. They they want to compete. They have a, a runner-up at the Mac Herman Trophy in Michaela Clough. They have a, a top draft pick in Cariabello. They have young players that are just coming out of the draft, joining the team now, Viviana Viacorta being one of them in the midfield. Like, there are a lot of good pieces in this roster mixed in with players like Sydney LaRue, Marta, like, players that have experience, Gunny Yon's daughter. Like, these are players that will be starting. It, this team could surprise people. I will say that. I won't go so far as to say they're going to make the playoffs because at the end of the day, uh, six teams will qualify for the NWSL playoffs out of the 12 teams that will be playing. So you have to be in the top six of the. You have to be in the top teams. half. You have to be in the top half. Let's, top half. Exactly. Don't, make it, don't make it sound like it's that difficult. You just have to be in the top half. Right. I think they could very easily be one of the first teams out. I think they'll be competitive. I think their defense will actually be decent this year with Amy Turner and Megan Montefusco leading that back line in front of Anna Morehouse or Aaron McLeod, depending on who starts. I think they, they will be better defensively, which I think will lead to better results. They won't get blown out. They won't have those moments where they say, oh, we've conceded a goal. The game is over now. Because how many times last year did that happen where they've held on for 70 minutes, conceded, and then just given up on the game? I think they'll be better than that. So, uh, time will tell. Uh, the Challenge Cup will be a good test for them. But I don't think you should read too much into the results of the Challenge Cup, simply because of kind of what I've been hearing from around the league. Don't read too much into it. Don't treat it like preseason, but also these results in the long run don't matter. It's preseason. You said <laughs> it, not me. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Anyways, uh, the game will kick off at 7 o'clock in Orlando against the Washington Spirit for the first time uh, in the Challenge Cup. I will not be there because I will be on the call for the other game going on in the same group, North Carolina and Gotham. Uh, you can tune into that on Paramount Plus or if you're international on Twitch, uh, which they will be broadcasting internationally for every single game this year. There will be a Twitch broadcast. Would that technically make you an international Twitch streamer? You know what? Yes. Aren't all twi Twitch streamers international? Yeah, but he's actually watched internationally. I guess I, I, I get paid to be a Twitch streamer, though, so I'm a professional Twitch streamer. A professional, internationally watched Twitch streamer. I can put that on a resume. <laughs> you could. And, I could. You know, might help. Might. It would be accurate. All right. Uh, that is all for the Orlando Pride. Orlando City B, they hired a coaching staff, and it's not what you actually expected. So Orlando City B has still not officially announced their roster. They, they play next week. Just, just, just putting that out there. Seems, um, seems like that might be necessary, but go yeah. on. 
Well, we talked about the coaching staff last week in last week's show. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it because we went into detail about everybody. But um, I can tell you some of the players that are training and most likely will be signing with Orlando City B at the very least. So now if you look at Orlando City B's roster from 2020, you'll actually be surprised to think that, well, hey, some of those players will be involved in this club. So that that is something. Um when it comes to uh, their roster, they have guys that will be sent down from the first team that will most likely be playing there, uh, like a Mikey Holiday. You have a Moises Tablante, who has been in the academy for a long period of time, and one Jordan Bender, who was an Orlando City homegrown player who was released. Saw him at training yesterday. So it, there is no guarantee that he'll actually sign for them. But it is a potential that he is uh, available to be signed. You know, he's a free agent. So we will see. You also have a Wilfredo Rivera, who's currently on the team, not getting any minutes. He'll probably be loaned down in order to get some time. And uh, Kembal Guadalupe, who is a Peruvian national, who's probably going to be signing for OCB and eventually hopefully making it up to the first team because he's got a lot of upside and again they play next week against chicago fire 2 march 26th so that is the day the pride play in north carolina and it is also the day before the u.s men's national team game now speaking of the u.s men's national team the world cup roster for the qualifying just dropped let's go big surprises eric palmer brown is making a comeback uh he hasn't been called up for a minute since he left sporting kansas city and he has been called up into the squad uh inter miami got a call up from deandre yedlin because well he's there the front three of pulisic reyna and wea all got called in hot 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 not really surprising there um Luca De La Torre got called in. Gianluca Busio got called in. Tyler Adams, Kellen Acosta. Uh, in goalkeepers, they have Sean Johnson, UCF alum, Zach Steffen, and Ethan Horvath. So not really any many surprises other than maybe Eric Palmer Brown and Luca De La Torre. But outside of that, a pretty, pretty standard roster for the U.S. men's national team. He's the best. There's still no, still no John Brooks, though disappointing no there is no john brooks uh, who's being cut by wolfsburg at the end of the season yeah that doesn't surprise me no it's not great not great all right uh before we get into our end of show roundup uh we have some new segments to uh go through first off where are they now I'm so, excited! so uh last week we talked about eric you and where he is today we'll be doing a uh, Orlando Pride former player, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Cami Levin, who we talked about in the show a couple weeks ago. But this is the where are they now for her now? Um, after playing for the Orlando Pride from 2016 to 2017 in their inaugural season, uh, she made 10 appearances overall in defense as a fullback. Uh, she transitioned from uh, the Pride to the Dash and then went to play in Europe for another year. Retired in 2018. And has now gone on to become the general manager of the Kansas City Current. So she is 
involved in NWSL at a very high level and uh, definitely very notable for a former Pride player who was one of the originals back in 2016. And again, she's only 31 years old and a GM of a professional soccer team. That's pretty impressive. So that is where are they now for Cami Levin. Now, uh, before we get into our weird news and our red card slash playing advantage, we have a news segment that we are calling Uncle Iroh's Inspirational Quotes. Weird, um, wild stuff. Yes, so Uncle Iroh from Avatar The Last Airbender. We have some inspirational quotes from him that we will be playing during every show uh, to inspire anyone. Uh, as, as one, If you have watched the show, you know that Uncle Iroh very inspirational person. Uh, so here is our week one inspirational quote from Greg Baldwin, the voice actor of Uncle Iroh in real life. Love is like a fart. If you have to force it, it's shit. And that is our inspirational quote from Uncle Iroh for this week. Now, gentlemen, it is time for weird news. Who's got some weird news oh, for today? boy, do I have one. Go for it. Mike Tyson is making pot edibles in the shape of a bitten ear. That's right. Almost 25 years have passed since boxer Mike Tyson famously bit a chunk out of Evander Holyfield's ear in the 1997 WBA heavyweight championship fight. But that memorable moment lives on. This article calls it gross, but I don't believe it's gross. Maybe a little kinky, but not gross. Tyson's cannabis company, Tyson 2.0, is now selling marijuana gummy candies shaped like ears with bites out of them. Hmm. And they're called Mike Bites. That is something. They, it looks like they're going to be sold in California, something. Colorado, and Nevada. It's, it's yet to be seen if profits of these ears are, are being shared at all with the inspiration but uh they're waiting for they're waiting for for comment on that hmm. weird wild stuff brad do you have one? Oh, do i go for <clears throat> it a uh, florida teacher was suspended and reassigned to a different school and now faced charges after being accused of biting two students over a jar of pickles Huh, so in very similar fashion, both your news stories are about biting. Yeah. Biting, All right, then. Yeah, biting other people. Uh, a spokesperson with Polk County Schools in Bartow, Florida, said a complaint affidavit of two counts of battery was filed against Rhonda Rice, who used to be a teacher at Bartow Middle School. According to the affidavit, last October, Rice was in her classroom as she observed two students taking items from the kitchen storage area. Rice then grabbed the jar of pickles off the shelf, and the students thought she was taking them for herself. One student grabbed the jar in an attempt to place it back on the shelf when Rice bit him in order to release the jar, according to the affidavit. The second student then also tried to grab the jar, and Rice bit him as well. The school district said last November, two students reported Rice. Rice told the school district that she was, quote, playing with both students over the jar of pickles, and, quote, when they grabbed it, she licked their arms to get them off. Uh, one of the students is Kathy Toro's 15-year-old nephew. She did not want to release his name to the media. Understandable, because that's a, a minor. Uh, Toro said her nephew and another student were putting, putting up jars of pickles, and Rice bit them both on their forearms to release the jar. 
My thoughts on the situation was, what was she thinking, tore up to Fox News stations. When the school notified us of the incident, we immediately took action, and I wanted charges brought up against her. Toro said her nephew is doing fine, but was shocked to say the least. She needs to be put in jail and learn from her mistakes, Toro continued. She can't put, she can't put any of, I can't, why can't I read that? She can't put any <laughs> part of herself on any child. Okay, because that was worded weird. Uh, last December, the school district sent Rice a letter saying that she was suspended without pay for three days. She was also transferred to Sleepy Hill Middle School. The letter said the involuntary transfer was part of the teacher collective bargaining agreement. Uh, the state attorney's office said Rice is expected to appear in court on March 31st. All this is confirming that you should literally never step foot in Polk County. Accurate. Very accurate. There's nothing. There's nothing redeeming out there. There's no reason to ever go there. Don't do it. No, but I will say with him getting up there in age, if Luis Suarez is looking for a career opportunity after his playing days are done, maybe become a teacher. Mm, quoting you on that. Uh, my weird news story today: uh, Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong Un impersonators help Vladimir Zelensky lookalike flee Ukraine. Perfect. So there are guys that look like Putin and Kim Jong-un that apparently got in touch with their Vladimir Zelensky lookalike and helped him escape from the Ukraine. And then they all got drinks together. And there's pictures of Putin and Zelensky, guys that look exactly like them, getting beers together in a pub. Weird, wild stuff. Yeah, so... There, there you go. That, that is, that is something. Can I just say I'm mildly surprised? And if listeners want to do the research on this, because I don't want to, I don't need the NSA looking into me any more than they already are. But I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten a, a Putin Zelensky like porn parody. I think that would really, that's really all we're missing to end oh, this war. No. We've got, we've gotten a Bono no. poem. We got a Bono poem today, read by Nancy Pelosi. That also, I don't know if that counts as weird news or more just like the whites are at it again. But, you know, we've, we we haven't gotten, like, a John Lennon Imagine video. As we all know, that ended COVID-19. So we just, we really, we haven't pulled out all the stops to end this. Nope. Okay. Are you having a laugh? That will do it for us today. Oh, we're missing one very important segment. What are your red cards slash playing advantage? You very specifically told us to have these prepared. Yeah, I know. I just, I, I. Brad, do you have one? Yeah, I do. I'll let you go first. Oh, okay. Um, today, uh, as we've said before, is St. Patrick's Day, March seventeenth, when we're recording this. Um, in a short while, the expansion pack for Mario Kart is coming out on the Switch. Uh, so I'm playing uh, advantage of that. Uh, it included some maps from, uh, I believe, the the Wii U. Um, Mario Kart as well as some of the Mario Kart Go maps um, so yeah so it's going to be a pleasant break as I've been uh, relearning Mario Kart using the Wario uh, Wiggler and the Cyber Slick wheels I agree it's a good thing to play advantage to I have a red card Shock- shocking I know for Warner Brothers who have continued to push their Harry Potter game that they're making with no awareness of the fact that maybe maybe 
maybe not the time to be putting a lot of money in J.K. Rowling's pocket. For those who don't know, she is a very I'm vengeance. She she is a what we would like to call a verifiable shitbag. Turf, her views, if you will. Yes, yeah, she's she's a turf. Her her views on transgender people are how do we say very uh, shit. <laughs> they are they are very bad. Uh, and as a friend of mine made the point today when discussing the the state of play about the new game, game looks kind of decent, right? But it's possible to make like a magic. Ba like, you can make an open world game about people learning magic and not associate with that franchise. It's, they don't have Isn't a that... monopoly on that idea. But so we're gonna make money Elden off Ring of Ring for kids. Elden Ring is for kids. Oh yeah. I thought it was for true gamers. Mm, both. It can't be. I'm playing Elden Ring. It can't be for true gamers. All right. Uh, I hate to get cut you guys off, but uh, my computer is about to die. Bing bang! I lost my charger. So, uh, my playing advantage today is to the Green Bay Packers, surprisingly, for uh, making themselves worse. Okay. They're trading Devontae Adams to the Raiders. So, um, yay, yay for them being terrible. Please. <laughs> Austin, did you not see what the Chicago Bears did today, though? Again, today is St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, the Bears decided to tweet a picture of uh, them turning the river orange, which, hey, um, don't do that. No, don't do that. Don't do that on St. Patrick's Day. Don't do that, please. Please don't. That's that's how. It, do you want the troubles? Because that's how you get the troubles. Yeah, Anyways, uh, let's let's call it there. Um, for Brad Newton, I'm Austin David and for Kyle Foley. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We will be back next week to break it all down from the LA game in Sat on Saturday, as well as the Orlando Pride game against Washington. So until then, take care. We'll see you later. You're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash.